0: This is the Game Changers experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers audio experience with myself, Adam Strong. Uh, Today, we have an amazing show, as we always do. But we also have a very special guest on today's show, someone that I've been following for a number of years, and I suppose you could call him inspirational. But what I love about this particular person is that he really shows his vulnerability and loves sharing his stories back from his childhood and how it comes into play in the business world today. His name is called Evan Carmichael. At the age of 19, uh, Evan actually built and sold a uh, biotech software company at the age of 19. At the age of 22, he became a venture capitalist and uh, raised between $515 million. Now what he does is he actually runs uh, the Evan Carmichael YouTube show and has now got over 3.1 million YouTube subscribers. He's a uh, multi-author, he's got four different books. His latest one's called Build to Serve, uh, which we'll be talking about a little bit uh, later on today. He's also, uh, he's also the owner of Canada's biggest salsa dance studio in Toronto, Canada, which is it really exciting. Now, Ed Millett, who we follow in it, is a good friend. He also called him the Napoleon Hill of, of, of uh, he's the, the, what we call the modern-day Napoleon Hill. So without further ado, uh, I want to give a big round of applause to Mr. Evan Carmichael. How are you, Evan? Thanks a lot, Adam. Great to be here, man. Greater, but great, great. So that you can, uh, you know, spend a little bit of time with us. because I know that you're extremely busy, and uh, and by the way, you have an excellent haircut.
1: Oh, perfect! Yeah, I just need to get the glasses, and, and we're doing this
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, listen, um, I'm a big fan of yourself, and I mean, like I said, I mentioned, you know, just a second ago, I've been following you for the last few years, and you know what I love about you is that you, you, you know, you the 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 fact of the matter is, is that you show your vulnerability and you, you know, you, you you come from a, you know, even though you're an introvert by trade, right, you're an introvert and, you know, and you you really are very open. I love that open and honesty about you. And I think, I think that really kind of um, sets you apart from some of the other gurus out there in the personal development world. And, uh, you know, and, and I think human vulnerability is so in tune with, The way the world is right now. I don't know about what your thoughts are about that.
1: Yeah, I think, um, it's funny. I just went through some training with my, with my group and trying to explain the difference between trapped Titans and twins. And I think most people are trapped. Most people feel like they're stuck and Mm. what people want to do is serve. We want to help other people who are like us and get out. And so, what we try to do is become a Titan, and the Titans are like the Oprah's of the world, and they're sharing all these inspirational quotes. But the answer is actually to be a twin. And the twin is the person who helps you see that you're like me. Mm-hmm. So, even even your th- comment at the beginning about my haircut, you know, we're, <laughs> we're <laughs> the twins on, on the haircut journey. Uh, Absolutely. The more, the more you can share what you've been through, not just where you are right now, right? If, if mm-hmm. you've had some success in, All you do is show off your success or all you do is say, well, here's what I did. Here's what you should do. People don't listen to you because they don't know where you've come from. The answer is to be the twin. The answer is to show that, hey, what you're struggling with right now, I went through and maybe still struggle with. You know, if you talk about me being shy or introverted, I still am. You know, I've I've learned to uh, deal with it. And I can come on shows like this now and recognize <laughs> that, hey, I still love to share and I, lo- I still love to serve. I think just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that you don't want to serve. But that took years of fighting and work and um, just holding myself back. Uh, and I think the more that you can just dive into your story and share what you've been through, so that people see themselves in you. I think most people who get into thought leadership, you are trying to be the Titan, you're trying to be the next Oprah, and then you look at your content, and if the same quote that Oprah's putting up, you're putting up, you just look like a Oprah Junior. True. Where what you wanna do do. is stop trying to be the Titan, be the twin. Mm. If you look at the content that has performed the best, on YouTube, on Instagram, on whatever platform you're creating content on. The stuff that performs the best is where I actually feel a little bit of a connection to you. So people say all the time, well, be authentic and be vulnerable. What does that mean? Well, it means trying to be the twin for people. It means trying to show that you have gone through what they went through, not just the actions, but the mindset of feeling worthless and feeling stuck and feeling like it's never gonna work and telling, you know, your friends telling you that's, that you're never gonna be anything. So you dealt with all that and then you overcame and now you're here. Mm. The twin content is the thing I think that's most missing in, in the personal development world.
0: Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. And you know, why kind of duplicate someone else's content when you can create your own, but you can emulate based on other people's, uh, your own kind of vulnerabilities and stories, which is what you've just demonstrated. And, um, and, and and you're absolutely spot on. I I I 100% agree with what you're saying, and I'd love that high cold kind of titan versus twin. I think that's a great analogy, so that's cool. Um, I was going to ask you actually. I know that you at the age of 19. I know we're going back some years when you created and 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 sold your uh, biotech company. How did you get into that? Because I know that you really struggled through high school, that but then you really found your way through. Um, I suppose, a a tutor or or a a mentor that really helped you to really understand. What I love about you, Evan, is that um, that you're a visual guy. You know, you like visual stuff. You like like to – and similar to myself, I'm more of a a, a consumer of content that is all about video and is all about audio, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But tell us a little bit more about how you got into – the, uh, the the kind of creating of that biotech company and stuff like that. Was it something that was on the cards? I mean, I know that there were friends of yours that kind of said, hey, Evan, why don't you come and join us? But what was, what was, what was the conversation that went around that?
1: Um, so Adam, I mean, that was the hardest decision of my life. I was in university. I was on the track to be an investment banker. It's what I thought I wanted to do. If you look at my high school yearbook, it says like, we're going to be in 10 years, VP at a bank. You know, that's what I thought my path you know, was going to be, um, not that I had a lot of self-awareness or really new direction. I just didn't want to not have money <laughs> and I thought bankers made money. It. So I'm going to go make money at a bank. So this is, this is my high school mindset, I guess. Um, and then I got to university and I had the chance to work at my dream company. um, Merrill Lynch, and they Merrill they Lynch, flew yeah. me to the Waldorf Astoria in New York, and wined and dined, <laughs> and we're looking at an opportunity um, to join them in Asia, and so I'd be doing M and A activity, mergers and acquisitions, all the stuff that are like, oh my God, I'm flying around the world, I'm doing the banking <laughs> that I want to do, I'm making six figures out of out of university, you know, like what a great opportunity, and at the same time, I connected with two people who had started a biotech software company. And they invited me to join and, and do the business stuff because I am i can't code software and science was my worst subject <laughs> in school. So it's like, a, you don't want me doing the actual technical stuff. Uh-huh. And there was just something inside me that felt like I would regret if I didn't do it. You know, the, the offer was Merrill Lynch, Dream Company, 100K a year, travel around the world, be the banker. I thought, I said I wanted to be join a startup, take 30% equity in the business and make $300 a month salary. Wow. That that was my, like, what do I do, Adam? You know, this is like, this is my choice. And this was also, (laughs) you know, I'm 41 now. I'm 41. So this was a little bit ago. It was like 20 plus years ago. Absolutely. I think entrepreneurship has come a long way. You kind of had to be crazy to be an entrepreneur when you were 19, when I was 19. Um, and so I really struggled with that. And and mm-hmm. I talked to my parents and I talked to my friends. And um the consensus among my friends was, what are you doing? Go, go, pick, <laughs> go do the job, right? Like this is what we were all were all of my friends were in the same program as me. We're all shooting for this, right? And Got it. the thing that actually helped was I wish I could say I Adam, I knew it was all gonna work out. You know, of course, it's just so easy. Um I, I didn't know, and I thought it would most likely fail. But I just wanted—I I wanted to know. I, I told myself I'd rather know and fail than not know, because I didn't want to. I told myself I didn't want to be an old man at forty. And I'm forty-one now, so forty—you <laughs> know—when life is over and you can't think clearly anymore,
0: <laughs> midlife crisis, right? Oh my yeah, god! <laughs> like forty when I'm old and it's
1: finished. Um, yeah. this is how we think, you know, when I'm 19, it's true. uh, I, I didn't want to regret it. I didn't want to look back on this moment and say, I, I regret that I didn't try harder. I regret that I didn't do more. And so mm. some of my friends were taking a year off to, to whatever, go travel, do their own thing. Right. Uh, so I said, you know what? I'm going to take a year off and I'm going to work on this business. And it may become something big or it may not work, but I could. I could always go back and get another job. You know, it was more, I don't know if I could get Merrill Lynch again. I don't know if it would be in Asia. I don't know if it'd be a six figure salary, but I could always get another job. And I didn't know if I'd, I'd get another chance at something like this. Mm. And so I said, I'll, I'll give myself a year and I'll go do it. And And thankfully it worked out, but it was really just minimizing risk. I think a lot of it, a lot of times when you look back on somebody's story, it can be romantic. It's like, well, I knew it was going to work out. And so it was such an easy decision. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. It was like, I had no idea. I thought I was going to fail. I just didn't want to live with regret. And so I had to go and find out. And so that was the most difficult decision of my life. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I used the same framework of, am I going to regret? It's like, we rarely regret the things we do. We regret the things that we don't do. So True. it's like the rocking chair test of being 200 years old, sitting on your rocking chair, looking back on your life. It's like, I wish I did X. I want to have as few of those regrets as possible. Um, and that's been a a good barometer for how to make great decisions.
0: Absolutely. It's a good one. Love it. Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> I know it, you mentioned right at the beginning of our conversation, which was all around a lot of, you feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of lost and confused which I absolutely 100% agree and your latest book, which is all around built to serve, you know, and, and again, I'm a big fan of that. What advice do you have for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that are just what I call going through the times, do you know what I mean by that? You know, you're just you're just kind of going through the motion or the notion of, as such and and, and and there's just kind of this loss in direction, do you know what I mean? This lack of clarity. Um, have you got any advice for people like that? Cause I, I know that you've ex- lived through that experience yourself and, and, uh, I was just wondering how, you know, when you were in those shoes, what did you do as a person and some of the advice that maybe you could give to our listeners?
1: Yeah. And I think Adam, that that's something that is, is ongoing. Like I still live through it. It's still the guiding star for me of, of where do I take the next version of my life? Um, The concept of built to serve is that humans are built to serve. If you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to wake up and feel like what they're doing today is going to mean something to somebody. And some people uh, like you and probably most of your audience and myself, we want to serve the world. We want to have a big impact. We want to, we want to change lives. We want to leave the world better than how we found it. Right. For real. Uh, And others like my wife don't have a big mission, but but she's the glue for our family and she still wants to serve the 25 closest people to her. But in either case you're built to serve. And if you woke up and felt like the work that you did mattered Mm. every day, you're going to start feeling a lot more fulfilled and it's going to lead to a more successful business as well. If you woke up every day and felt like it doesn't matter, nobody cares if I show up or not, that's the path down to, depression. That's a path down to suicide. That's, you know, it's down yeah. to Just people who are depressed feel like they don't matter to anybody. Sure. So we all want to feel like we matter. And, and so that's a, that's a concept of built to serve. Now, how do you serve? You know, there's a difference between holding a door for somebody or buying a coffee for somebody behind you in line.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. all have
1: these acts of kindness and acts of good deeds that you can do that makes you feel really good in the moment, but quickly vanishes. So sure. it's not to say don't do those things. But the best way to serve is from understanding that your purpose comes from your pain. So people ask me, well, how do I find my passion? How do I find my purpose? That's really easy. You you don't have to go sit on a mountain for 20 years meditating until you find your purpose. (laughs) Your your purpose comes from your pain. So whatever you struggle the most with in life as a human is what you want to help other people through. Hmm. And not pain, like physical pain, like you broke your arm or something, emotional pain. Like When did you feel the most worthless as a, as right. a human? Mm-hmm. And and you're not done. Like, I'm not done growing. You're not done growing. No, you're never done. You don't want to be done growing. It's constantly growing. But you're way further ahead than you used to be. Agreed. And there's lots of people who currently are who you used to be. Mm-hmm. And they need your help. And they, they need your guidance. And they need your story. And they need your wisdom. And so for me i want to help the 19 year old evans maybe 20 year old evans who who wanted <laughs> I wanted to quit on my business like the worst day of my life was when i quit on my business partner i told him i quit because we weren't we weren't seeing success we had no money coming in i, I just felt mm-hmm. like i was a loser you <clears> know like I'm, I'm working my face off just every day. it wasn't that okay i put an hour here It's like every single day sun up sundown eating bean salad for lunch because it was all i could afford every day and just not making any money. And it just, I started to feel like I was worthless and so I quit on my business partner. Mm. Um, now I woke up the next day and I went back to work because we all, you know, just, I didn't want to regret it. Still that same, conversation <laughs> I don't want to regret it, but we all have these moments where we doubt ourselves and we're feeling secure when we don't think it's going to happen. And mm. I could, I could have quit. Like if I actually quit that day and didn't go back, I would be living a totally different life. I would not probably be talking to you, you know, Adam right here. And so I'm I'm making content every video I make, every Instagram post I share, every interview I do like this. I'm I'm talking to 20-year-old Evan who wants to quit because there's lots of 20-year-old Evans out there right now who who just need a little bit of that guidance and support. So yeah. you're built to serve, you know, that's why I wrote the book. If you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. But then how do you serve in the best way? Well, it's finding people who currently are who you used to be being the twin mm. to then
0: help them get out of the hole that they're in it's interesting <clears throat> you know i mean this conversation i mean really relates to me on so many levels and the reason for that is purely because i mean you know especially with with the way the world is right now right i think so many people are in need of um being served right but also you know, when we think about serve and we think about value, it's very subjective, right? Especially, I mean, we hang out on Clubhouse a lot, right? And we have a lot of listeners in and we talk about the importance of service and value and stuff like that. But I guess my listeners will probably be saying to themselves, well, this is all really well evident, Adam, right? This is all really good. I I, I get the whole kind of serve prospect and aspect, but how do we really turn it into a business which can be used as a vehicle to then turn into potentially uh, a revenue stream. Are there mm. any thoughts there uh, from, from your perspective? Yeah,
1: I think it's, people have a really funny view on money. Some people <laughs> grow up and they're they, they are taught that money is everything. And the next person who walks in my shop, that's my next car, that's my next mm. purse, that's my next pair of shoes, that's my next whatever. Like, you don't even see the purse anymore, you just see the dollar signs. And other people grow up And they're taught that money is the root of all evil,
0: evil, right? That that money is bad, (laughs) that that
1: you shouldn't have money. Um, And the actual quote is the love of money is the root of all evil, but we've shortened it to money is the root (laughs) of all evil. Uh, It's neither, you know, neither Uh, money's a tool and it's a really, really important tool, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, but even if you don't, even if you want to be a charity, money is really important. And so what I like to say in the book is that money needs to be in your top 5 priorities but it can't be number 1. Right. Number 1 is the purpose. Number 1 is the mission you're on. Number 1 is the good that you're trying to create. Mm. And making money as a part of that becomes really important. So money can't be number 1000 on your list. You have to be thinking even from the start, how am I going to turn this into a money-making business? Because otherwise, even if you just look through the lens of service, if you never figure out how to make money, you're doing your you're doing it as a hobby. And then you can Sweet. do it on the the evenings and the weekends, which is fine and, and fulfilling. But if you actually could turn it into a business that you're making money, you could serve a lot more people. You can help a lot more people. You can have a team. I've got exactly. almost 40 people on my team now who help me do all the stuff that I do. The ability to have, I, I could talk to you because my team is doing stuff, right? Otherwise, I'd be
0: <laughs> figuring out how to edit the
1: video, right? I mean, it just frees up your time to do more work businesses are successful because they bring value. So your challenge then becomes, well, how do I turn what I do into value? You want to make more money, bring more value. You want to make money quickly, bring value quickly. And one of the best things you can do is to figure out what were the things that helped you get over the hump that you were struggling with or out of the hole that you were in? What were the things that helped you? And then, and then sell that thing. So mm-hmm. if, if Love it. coaching helped you, then sell coaching. If meditation helped you, sell meditation. Like whatever the thing that got you out of the hole that you were in, for me, it was studying success. For me, it was looking at Oprah Winfrey and Elon Musk and Steve Jobs. Actually, Elon was a little early. Oprah, uh, (laughs) Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs were like the people that I, when I was 19, 20, 21, looked to as inspiration, as hope that it's possible. So that helped me get out of the hole that I was in. So what have I done over the past 20 years is share the stories of all these successful entrepreneurs and what you can learn from them, because that's then bringing value to the 20 or 11s who are just getting started. Right. So you have to figure out a business model. It's it's essential for you to then go off and, and not just build a business, but have the impact that you want to have on the world very cool very good
0: um for you guys that are listening in by the way if you have any quick questions because i know we've only got about uh sort of five more minutes because i know that evan is very very busy he's managed to fit us in his schedule please do put any comments in the comment section below that'd be great um interestingly enough i wanted to ask you this question because i know that there are people on the fence that have come up with these amazing ideas to try to serve more people but they're worried like they're worried, maybe that's fear, maybe it's because of their ego and maybe it's because they they feel like, they feel like, I don't know, there's something that's holding them back, right? I mean, you consume and create lots of content to serve and build people and value people. What advice do you have for those people that are kind of on the fence, you know, in terms of like trying to serve people, but they're, they're not sure about how to move it forward because maybe in the back of their mind, Maybe it's because of money. Maybe it's because of fear. I mean, you're an introvert. Maybe they're an introvert. Any thoughts there? I know it's a big question to ask in a few minutes, but I thought it'd be a really good one to use.
1: Yeah, it's a great one. And there's two answers. And you'll take a percentage of answer A and a percentage of answer B, (laughs) depending on the day. Because one is a push and the other is a hug. And sometimes you need the push. Like Adam, get off your butt and go do this. And sometimes you need a hug. So depending on how you're feeling, you need a little. And I use a a bit of both depending on it each day. So the push is that you do difficult things. The the push is even how you frame the question. Well, that that it's hard or that you're afraid. Like, Well, that's not a good enough reason anymore. Just the fact that you said it means you have to do it because you do difficult things. You do hard. You do scary. So scary, difficult, hard are trigger words for me. If I say it, if I think it, if I write it, if I text it, now I have to go do it because I said it. Because I want to try to train myself that Evan Carmichael does difficult things. Right. So it just starts with the fact that you led that question with, but people are afraid. Okay, great. I don't accept fear or worry as a good enough reason for me not to do it. Period. So now I have to go do that thing. Like It shortcuts the, the brain. Because all of those reasons are valid because you are introverted because you don't have the money because you don't like they're all valid reasons, but they're not they're not good enough reasons anymore if you want to play at the next level. True. So that's the push It's like I said I was scared. I said I was worried. Great. Now I have to do it. That's the push. The hug is coming back to your intention. What is it? Hopefully it's to serve. And so. If your intention is I'm just going to rip this person off so I have money in my bank account, okay. Well, that's not a great intention. But if you're listening to Adam, <laughs> <laughs> you, why? Why like the Don't thing that desperate. you're afraid to do? Why are you doing the thing? Well, it's to help. It's to serve. It, it's to it's to get the message out there. It's yep. to even if just save one person's life or change one person's mindset if they watch that video. As long as the intention is positive. At least for me, that gives me extra courage to go and do the thing. As an introvert, as someone who's shy, every time I get up on stage, I'm, I'm always nervous. I'm always afraid. And so it's the push of like, well, I do things that I'm afraid of. Let's go, mm-hmm. Carmichael. But also, I'm here to have, like, I'll always look at the audience and I'll see, you know, I see Dorothy here on screen. Like, I always look at the people and see, it's like, I'm I'm, make, I'm here not for me. I'm here not to, I'm not here to sell my book. I'm not here to sell my course or whatever. Like, I'm here to serve to help adam to help dorothy to help whoever else is watching and i'll try to find somebody in the stage like i'm here for him i'm here for her so sometimes you need the push and sometimes yeah. you need the hug to get you out of the rut because staying stuck is not the answer
0: love it love it now listen we're coming towards the end of our interview because i know that you're you're busy and stuff but we'd love to know what you're working on right now because i know you've got books out i mean you sold companies you you're you know, you've raised money for our businesses and acquire other businesses. What are you working on right now? And and how can the audience get in contact with you?
1: I mean getting in contact, I'm pretty much everywhere. So Evan Carmichael, whatever platform. Um, the easiest way to ask questions is <laughs> I do uh, Minecraft gaming with my son four days a week. Uh <laughs> that if you go to EvanCarmichael.live every night, uh, I guess you it'll be really late for you. So it's like it's 7 p.m. Eastern here in Toronto. Um, oh, I play okay. Minecraft and take questions. So if you have a question, come, that's probably the easiest spot to reach me. <laughs> the, the thing I'm most excited by right now is I'm, uh, I have a program called movement makers and I want to help other thought leaders build their movements. Cause I realize that I can only do so much, right? People only like my story so much, but I want to train people how they could do it as well, because if they learn what you went through and I can help you get your message out there more, um, then it has this ripple effect out to the world. So I'm basically training thought leaders how to get their message out and turn into a business through movement makers. And um, I just came from them. So I went from them and then into you. And uh, it's it's just so much fun.
0: Love it. I, by the way, are you on Twitch?
1: Uh, we, we also will co-stream the Twitch. So we just set okay. that up. So it's YouTube first and then also co-stream the Twitch
0: cool very cool well listen i'd love to um, maybe have some more conversations with you about how we could potentially collaborate more on, on that because i think that's a great idea i think it's a fantastic idea and uh we, we could definitely take that offline so listen i just want to say thanks very much for being on today's show i really appreciate it and uh it's this was fun i enjoyed it
1: well that that's a sign you're doing something right like if we all <laughs> did work that was fine that you enjoyed that doesn't feel like work then that's how you start to win
0: Absolutely. Listen, guys, I hope you've enjoyed today's conversations with me and Evan. Uh, Make sure you check out the Game Changers audio experience and we'll see you again. From me and Evan, have a great day. Take care. Hey guys, I just wanted to get your attention because on October the 20th, we have the brand new book, Play the Game, How to Win in Today's Ever-Changing Environment, featuring myself uh, along with 17 other co-authors who are up-and-coming leaders. uh, And they speak about different things from franchising, branding, through to adversity. I mean, honestly, the strategies and and stories in there are absolutely immense. Uh, It has been endorsed by Marshall Goldsmith, who is the uh, only two thinkers, 50 and number one accepted coach in the world. And uh, we have for a very limited time only for 99 pence or 99 cents, you can download the Kindle version. We wanna make this an international bestseller and get it out to as many people around the world. Honestly, it will blow your socks off. Uh, If you don't fancy the Kindle version, then no worries. Get the public paperback version as well um, and make sure that you click on the link below and help us us to become an international bestseller. Some of the content is just gonna absolutely blow your way. Anyway, good luck and happy reading. Hey you guys, I just wanna say thank you so much